When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and old men chasing crocodiles with (laughs) frying pans. Good morning, Redmond. Good morning, Patrick. And that is an absolute crack of a video. It doesn't get better than that. Breaking news this morning. Well, not breaking news, but it was... uh, was circulating on social media this week. There was an old fella, and it was he was being filmed off the deck. And what would he be? He'd be in his oh, late sixties, <laughs> even older. Yeah. And this this three and a half meter croc is literally in front of him. And I'm not sure. Have you seen the kids' movie um, Tangled? Uh, no, I don't. But I'm always looking for kids' movies. Yeah, it's a um, it's a re- it's a remake of um, Sleeping Beauty. Uh, not Sleeping Beauty. What's the one with the hair? Beauty Rap- and the Rapunzel. Oh, that one. Okay, that was close. Yeah. And in this show, Redmond, everything, because they're not trying to, they're trying to be careful with kids' violence, etc. those sorts of things. So they, instead of sort of using swords, they use frying pans. And this is that guy. So violence is better than, violence is better with a saucepan than a sword. Yeah, it doesn't really work, does it? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, this guy has attacked the crocodile. Well, the crocodile attacked him and he's sort of, you've come back with the frying pan. He didn't take a step backwards. He literally stood there and smacked the croc <laughs> in the head multiple times out of the with shit a out of, with pan. a frying pan. When you think of like Australia, like it sort of sums up Australia well, doesn't it? Coming to Australia. Imagine what overseas people think of our country. It's like, Jesus, literally, guy lives at his house and a croc just walks up and he has to hit it with a frying pan. Well, they already think like everything that can, everything kills you in Australia. Oh my God, look at that. Look, look, look at that spider. So you're, that can you're, kill you. You're relating straight, eight to, seconds. straight to Americans. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Straight to Americans. It was a big week on social media this week. We've got some great things. The gaff's a cracker too. I'm looking forward to the gaff. Yeah, gaff's a cracker. So uh, make sure you don't go anywhere for that. But you know what else is a cracker? What are your thoughts on insurance companies? Well, I've got a few issues with insurance companies at the moment. You do? Well, because... You can't cover... I've got to read my house insurance because of how much the... Like like the building industry, obviously, it happens. I was going to say that Galah's destroying your lawn. Well, that's another issue. (laughs) Where are you at with your insurance with your house, Pat? Well, it's going to go up. Because if, if my house burnt down tomorrow, one, you couldn't rebuild the thing for three years, and two, I couldn't afford <laughs> to rebuild, rebuild it for how much everything's gone up. Your house was actually a bit like your boat. What? Took like 15 years to come. <laughs> it's outdated. <laughs> That's actually true. <laughs> oh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, the lithium batteries is a bit of a worry at the moment, and mm. I actually, I'm not going to mention any names here, but I did see on social media a little while ago a lithium battery that actually heated up and caused a bit of smoke in a boat and they actually caught it. Uh, this was a local guy to Melbourne actually caught it before it did catch on fire and ended up actually extinguishing it out. 
and turn the batteries off before their trip and ruin their whole trip because they had no batteries, obviously. But lithium so batteries this, heat up quite warm, up towards that 600-degree mark. And which, this is an article that was covered off on, uh, on BoatSales.com. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's an absolute ripper, but it does it does beg the question, doesn't it? Around? Well, 600 degrees basically will set anything on fire that comes in close to it. And lithium batteries down the back of your boat with well, – well, the majority of boats at the back in these – I guess tournament boats as such and whatnot, they could quite often be up the front, for instance, your Staby, but extra yep. batteries up the front. But I don't like the idea of fishing with lithium batteries if they're going to potentially catch on fire. And then not only that, if something was to happen, you pride and enjoy that's worth, say, 20 grand, 100 grand, 80 grand, 400 grand, whatever it is, it's a lot of money for an insurance company potentially to say, right, you've got lithium batteries, we're not going to cover you. So the challenge is, though, the technology behind them, they're so much lighter. They're more versatile in how they're actually designed, so the packaging. That's because of them. that's actually because everything around it melts. <laughs> <laughs> but the tech there is like for me on my Staby, it was like well, 60, 60 kilos of battery versus the twelve kilo Stuff lithium all, battery. Yeah. It was yeah. like well, it, this, I couldn't actually the boat wouldn't perform with those twin batteries up the front. Well, good news is Club Marine actually wrote a oh, had a comment related back to boat sales saying that there's only been one lithium battery claim in the past so long many years in australia at the moment so there's way more boats thing. that catch on fire that's from right i was just engines. about to say that yeah. what is there where is it sit at is it just a slow news week or is it actually a problem that we're going to have so i don't know i don't i don't think it's a massive deal but still in back of your mind because i do know of one person that did have it happen it's a little bit scary especially when you're 92 k's potentially offshore chasing a swordfish <laughs> it doesn't sound good does it uh speaking of 92 k's oh, this is a this is an incredible story this this is uh something up your neck of the woods because you love these stories project underscore kingfish on facebook they've um they've posted an incredible uh journey from a recapture of a kingfish so in 2009 captured 48 centimeters it's traveled all the way um, from eden from eden to be recaptured in New Zealand, having grown to 90 centimetres, Redmond. That straight line distance is 21,666, maybe? 21,066 kilometres. 20,000. No, 2,166. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what are we reading? It's a loose, it's a loose format was, show this morning. We'll, we'll go two thousand. We'll start again with that two thousand one hundred sixty-six kilometers. Can we say this is edited out? Can, no, no, okay, it's all right, yeah, no, we're, we're going to keep rolling. We're screwed. We're screwed. Gonna, <laughs> we're we're screwed. Over over um, eight hundred eight, eight million days. Yes. <laughs> eight hundred and seventy-three days it was, and it's grown forty-two centimeters. Just shows you how much the fish move. That's actually that, massive. The cross pollination between Australian fish, New Zealand fish, like these fish are constantly moving. So something that you catch in <laughs> Port Phillip Bay, yeah, there's every chance that you're going to recapture that in South Australia, or you're going to see that in uh, New South Wales. If anyone's um, working at Bean Squeeze, you might just grab us a coffee to wake us up a bit <laughs> on the way through. <laughs> Be nice. We, we do need to realign the show this morning. Have you fished this week? Uh, I had a couple of days out. Got some beautiful whiting. These whiting down south are going terrific. Uh, whether it, I'll be honest with you, you said, you said it a couple of weeks back when you got from Noosa. Why do we live here? I don't know. Oh, it is so freaking cold. Yeah. Like I just can't. I'm timing my wind and tide together, and I just specifically cannot. I'm targeting the warmest periods of the day, and I can't get warm. <laughs> it's still cold. I've got like I'm wearing two jumpers and my stormy, and I just can't get warm. Yeah, I just can't get warm. So. 
versus you see like obviously we have on our um, on our real adventures socials we follow a whole heap of different fishing pages for sort of news reports and that sort of thing and then you see the reports coming out of top end of New South Wales bottom end Queensland and it's it looks pretty nice that it does look uh, very nice, especially when you head up to our, or we were heading to our new our whip around segment and we head to central Queensland and there's just Red Emperor being caught, coral trout, and here I am catching whiting. Now we've got a massive show ahead of us this morning. Uh, catching up with, uh, with Tom in the All Aboard segment, Redmond, and this is a phenomenal chat because we sort of caught up with Tom, um, Thomas Pinter, on um, Hooked Up magazine an online publication, they do great videos, read the article and then got in contact with him and we've found someone that catches arguably the biggest Murray cod in the country. He only catches six metre cod. It's a a (laughs) cracking chat. Um, Updated his boat throughout the years, spent a huge amount of time having, you know, terrible weekend after terrible weekend, fishing 10 hours, but has slowly you know, mastered the craft and it's a really good chat for those that are interested in going after really big Murray cod. Yeah, it's, you talk, we're going to, we literally have a fisherman, or a proper fisherman, we don't have a footballer that we love talking to but we have a fisherman hardcore that's out there. You're getting into Jez, because I was getting, Jez on a couple of weeks ago. I was getting into you, but oh, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's uh, I, want, I want to ask you something uh, on the back of, I guess, is it the right time of the year? I want to know. I want to know your thoughts at right time of the year. I want to know your thoughts of the idea of it being outside, and I also want to know your idea of, uh, I guess, around the stock side of things. Now, mm, yeah, I know where this is going. This is going to the Melbourne Boat Show this year, Pat. Now, I was excited when this was posted as. Yep. So we've been notified uh, regarding the Melbourne Boat Show through our emails that it's going to be going ahead. I think it's twentieth to twenty third of October. Uh, but very loose on the details apart. Very that. loose. It's all I know is that it's going to be held sort of around that near Marvel Stadium there, Docklands, uh, in the Docklands area. Uh, it's going to be an on-water theme, which hasn't happened. Like there's been a few around sort of Patterson Lakes, different stages. Yep. But in terms of the overarching body, this being the main boat show for Victorians, we've seen it in New South Wales. We've seen it in Queensland. Hasn't happened. Yep, Victoria. Well, comes off the back of the conversation of you and I just saying how cold it is. Now, they've picked October. They've picked just before snapper season, so fishing's going to be on people's minds. Yep. People won't be committed to the water too hard yet because the snapper won't be going super hard as such. Yep. So November's our snapper season. So I think they've picked a good time for it. Now, my question is, is it going to be too cold? Because this event is primarily going to be outside. There's going to be minimal to nothing Inside, I think there's going to be mark certain marquees supplied by the event itself, and I know. Well, that's the difference between doing it in June, though. It is, but is it going to be still still too cold in October? I, I think it's nearly going to be. It's going to be cold. Well, and not just cold. Maybe if it's if raining. You, maybe if you did it long term, but I think the uptake for it will be massive yep. because we haven't had as Victorians. And our, obviously our real adventure show goes right across the country. But as Victorians have not had um, a boat show for what's coming two, up three on three years, years yeah, you yeah. know. So I think there's going to be a real appetite for it. Stock will be a challenge for a lot of uh, manufacturers. I think I think a lot of manufacturers now, rather than looking to sell more boats, it's what you can package into the boat. The electronics, the trailers, the engine upgrades. Pleasing the customer. Yeah, everything that goes into the boat. And we're seeing this right throughout the 
uh, caravan industry as well. There's only so many that manufacturers, certainly the smaller manufacturers, can build. So apart from your Jayco's, which slice off half the market yep. in the caravan industry, everything else is Randall optimising the quality and then what you can add to it. And that's where the boating industry is going when we're seeing these maxi travelable boats that are $300,000 plus. So I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be great. Well, I think we're it's going to be, be there, uh, with, with Melbourne Marine. Um, my boat's going to be there. So if you do go, take your bloody shoes off, as you should when you when you go on a boat, Aaron. I'm looking at you. Uh, I wear gumboots. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm excited about it. I think it'll I be am good. too. I think um, they've done a. The g- industry needs it. I think they've done a great job regarding the time of it. I think before snapper season, the boating industry is on people's minds, the fishing industry is on people's minds. I hope consumers, or I hope everyone goes, whether it's consumers or just even, for instance, Melbourne Marine Centre, they're definitely going to be there. You've got Geelong Marine World's going to be there. I know MY Marine are going to be there. I hope those big uh, retail outlets actually do support this. Uh, I just hope. I just. I'm just hoping because we live in Victoria that the fact that the weather is going to be on our side for it, and I hope it goes to plan because I don't think we've got Jane Bunn with a like a four month forecast. Mate, they can't they... get it right for the day ahead, so <laughs> I, 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 I'm worried about that. But I just, I just hope everything goes aligned, uh, all falls into line for it because I'm really looking forward to it. We haven't had one for three years, and it's something that you and I thoroughly enjoy looking at all the different boats. Like you love it there. You're like a little kid walking around, kid in the candy shop, looking at boats and. Well, we love our North Banks, but there's other boats just as good, if not even bigger. Like, you love looking at some of the biggest boats you could possibly find out there. And I know Jake from Geelong Marine World, it's hell boats. He's taking them there. And that's like along the uh, on the centre console. The luxury European inflatable range. Inflatable. Yep. Like, it's. Yep. I'm really looking forward to do this. And you can actually step on these boats on the water. That's what... Like, things like that. Yes. So, yep. it's... I, I think it's going to be a terrific thing, and I hope that you guys, if you are listening to us right now, can uh, jump on and support this initiative because we're looking forward to it, and we'll have more details about it as soon as it comes to the public. Big show, Real Adventures, this morning. We'll catch you after the break, and we'll find out what's biting right around the country. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time to find out what's biting in your part of the country. All thanks to Jayco Sydney, your next great escape. Let the adventure begin with Jayco Sydney, uh, New South Wales, Aaron. Yeah, I really wanted to throw my hand up because I want this report, Pat. This one is a cracker. <laughs> Marlin out of Aladulla, still. Well, not still. They went quiet for a bit, but the water's 20-odd degrees I've, I've been reading. Bait's there, and multiple Marlin, striped Marlin, got caught. Like that... We're in the middle of winter now. I was going to say it's late. Yep. Just goes to show with fishing these days, I guess technology, people out there actually doing it, absolutely sensational for the guys that actually rewarded themselves catching multiple striped marlin out of Ulladulla. The yellowfin, Pat, being relatively quiet this year compared to what we've spoken over the last year. We still could get a good run of it. felt like last year it was a constant around 80 plus kilo fish, whereas this year there there hasn't been really too many really big models. They haven't showed up. No, but on a positive note, Botany Bay, the yellowfin went really well there during the week with multiple boats around that 1,500 metre line. So you're pushing well past the shelf. And which is a little bit of a hike out, not too far, but it is a little bit of a hike out. And the fish are around 30 kilo, and lures have been that the best method with people getting up to three four way hookups on them, which tuna, 
pelagic fish, they school up. So not not an odd occurrence for that to happen, but good to see them starting to come down, and hopefully they do get bigger and thicker, and thicker in numbers as uh, as that. I guess the season progresses. Uh, Port Hacking, Pat, the Trevally, Brim, Whiting, and Australian Salmon right through the Port Hacking on Zedman Grubs. They went really well the whole week, and they're great fun if you just want to catch some fish. So it's always fishing quite well through that Port Hacking this time of the year. Western Australia, fishing off the beaches around Perth Metro. Uh, There's been some great snapper landed to sort of that eight kilo mark. Squid have been the best bait, Redmond. Um, and there's been some other big Mulloway caught as well as some Australian salmon. Yeah, Geograph Bay, there's literally cracking Mulloway being caught off the beaches there and in the boat. So make sure you do get amongst those because everyone loves a big Mulloway. But the Australian salmon make for good bait and for those that can't catch anything else, they're not bad to eat here, here and there too. <laughs> South Australia, let's yeah. talk uh, the, the beaches and reefs. Yeah, Petrol Cove, the Aussie salmon, big numbers Massive numbers, and uh, I'm not familiar where that is, actually. Uh, you might be, but Petrol Cove, metal lures have been working terrific through that area. Uh, just, the, just the normal key to fishing, find those gutters. Low tide generally pushes the water out. The gutters become also known as rips, I guess, in a way. They all stay, become that feeding area for yep. for the salmon, and they will school up through there. Venus Bay, whiting fishing is red hot. Most boats are able to reach their bag limit. Bag limits over there are a fair bit different to here in Victoria, so make sure you and and the size limit also. So check your regulations if you are fishing there. Quality fish they are, and they are being caught on squid. Tassie, the uh, Craigie Burn. I, I was going to say I actually caught my first southern blue fin tuna off Petrel Cove, which is near right. Victor Harbour, with Shane Menforth. Yep, there you go. Went out in his big bar crusher that he had back in the day. It was, I think it was an eight and a half. It was massive. This thing, eight and a half <laughs> meter, um, and first. SBT, it's a cracker. It's uh, that whole South Australian coastline. Well, the beauty of fish is good. It's so close to you, you, you launch not traveling far. Yeah, on water. And when you're talking from CBD of Adelaide, it's it's yeah, it's close, which is which is nice. The Craigieburn fished well this week in Tassie. Great rainbows and browns with hard bodies lures doing most of the damage. And Devonport are starting to see some really consistent barrel tuna uh, starting to be caught. So. It hasn't. It's not like a, it's not like Port Mac where you're guaranteed a fish, but it's definitely they're definitely starting to move through that area. So how I picture it is the start of the school starting to move through, and we will then see, uh, I guess, the leftover, the middle, of the, the middle of the fish, the school come through plus the end of it. So it's starting to fish good, and they're big fish, like 120 kilo. So they're yeah. starting to go real well. Uh, finish this off with Queensland. What have you got? Oh, I don't even want to talk about this joint. It's <laughs> just annoys me. We're looking on social media, doing my it's whip, big barabang call. Oh, just the warmth. They're in t-shirts and shorts with a hat. What's a hat? <laughs> Fishing North Queensland. So just, I can tell you what a beanie is. Oh, mate. it's just I've actually been wearing. I've actually been wearing that blue re- uh, real brand beanie. That's a cracker. That one. It keeps my head warm. Can't hear anyone actually speak to me through it, but it works well. Uh, North Queensland's been some really consistent captures of the barra. Uh, so it's it's in the Logan has been really good uh, with on the hard body lures Barra yep. on the hard body lures so they've been really really good and the place that we'll continue to talk about is the Hitchin Brook and you and I are familiar with that joint massive uh, Big Red Emperor at the moment Red Emperor just being caught and all brands of Trevally being caught on baits and jigs so yeah I, I, it annoys me even bringing that up <laughs> beautiful work Redman that's what's biting right around the country all thanks. To Jayco Sydney, let the adventure begin. Jayco Sydney, uh, helping 
you extend your adventures, Redmond. We are now going to the social club, Pat, we, where we take your questions from social media. And I've got the first question for you, Patrick. And maybe don't tell your old man if you do give this away too much. You might have actually spoke about it last week when you covered for me. But I was, try- I was trying to get him to be a bit more up and about last week. He was excited to talk. I need about to listen to the show. I didn't actually listen. Didn't you to listen? Or you were very crook. No, I was crook, and I didn't want to hear you speak. Uh, <laughs> Danger! Have you or the old man checked out the local rivers down your way for trout lately? So, I'm, rivers or streams? How are they fishing? No, um, good question. The the streams are actually closed at the moment. So that was a couple of weeks ago. So. Um, they like so trout fishing closed in trout all streams. fishing's closed. Okay. Yep. So um, that happened a couple of weeks ago. So it gives them a little bit of time for, particularly with how many people are living down there now and visit down there. It just gives the the local waterways some time to actually recover. Yep. But certainly a lot of the estuary systems uh, have fished quite well. Panklax fish quite well. Estuary perch have been caught down there um, in good numbers. And there's a lot of brim being caught. Don't say that because you've got to get through your dad with a shotgun to get to that river. <laughs> well, you do. <laughs> particularly, um, but brim have fished really quite well um, at the bottom end uh, of the Barwon as you head towards Barwon Heads. Um, and Apollo Bay's had some pretty good reports as well. So um, it's just battling the cold river, and that's the sort of the biggest challenge at the moment. And the Otways isn't. The warmest place. It's it is rain for us for a reason. <laughs> All right, this one's from Tim. G'day, lads. Red, I watched a YouTube video during the week of landing a big barrel bluefin. What's the trick to staying calm and relaxed? Well, you caught multiple fish that day. I was going to say you were relaxed by the third one. It's a little bit nervous at the start, particularly when you, you just want to get that first fish on the board. There's nothing worse, and I'll be honest with you, years ago... I had I had friends, and then I yelled at them too much and lost friends. I was going to say, you don't have any. Don't <laughs> so have now any I've got more. no friends to yell at. No, I used to be, be that person that when you hooked a marlin or a barrel, that adrenaline kicked in so hard that you naturally, you get a bit abusive, but you just, you do. It just fires you up, and you don't want to lose that fish. And being that person on the boat, I guess that is an expert, we'll go with that factor of it, uh, you, you start to treat people that don't fish as much as you not very nice and I was that person years ago and I remember coming back from Eden on one trip and the boys were basically hated me like I just it, it, it never caught a small fish yeah. it only makes everyone on the boat more uncomfortable and more then anxious. having a beer later you feel like an absolute prick because your mates are like mate you're a real arsehole back today like that wasn't so it wasn't fun and yeah. I hear people out in the water grab that gimbal grab the top put your earth in this earth in. like and I that was you to it. It, it, and it was it never helped, yep. and that's it, it. Never caught the fish. It, it was not what caught the fish. I, it's about making that person on the rod. So, and if you did watch that video, and if anyone that wants to watch it is on YouTube, watch the communication between Kane and myself. Like, yep, yep, just speed up a bit, mate. It's coming around the back. Thanks, Kane. Like, no worries. I'll move up on the fish. And that's not put on. No, no, I do not. And the day you and I got the fish, I just, I had, we had people that. Nigel had never even been on a boat before, basically, and I let him gaff the fish. I just talked him through it. So the more you yell and carry on like an idiot, which I was there, I'll be straight up honest with you, the less chance you have of landing that fish because it makes that person that's doing that role more anxious, un- anxious yeah. uncomfortable, you know, and they stuff up, and then they just they literally feel so guilty. Like, and they're not going out there to deliberately miss a gaff shot. So oh. relaxed and just push through, even if they stuff up, don't yell too much. You know, that was the start of my footy career when I first got to Adelaide. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yep, yep. 
and I think what it, you it, just, it, as in you got yelled at or you yeah, it, and it was definitely a ploy from from Neil Craig, who was the head coach at the time, and the other coaches around, um, dealing with that sort of pressure at training because you know what are you going to get on game day? It's going to be far more. But I agreed with that to a certain extent. It got to a stage where you were fearful of getting the ball in your hand. Because you don't want to stuff up. You don't want to stuff up, okay. yeah. Or, or the rod in your hand in this scenario. Now, I don't want to touch it because I don't want to cock it up and then it spoil everyone's day. But then you're not enjoying any yeah, of it. And yeah. that was a slow... And they're not getting the best out of your ability either. Now, you, yeah. I, I remember getting the footy in my hands and shitting myself yeah. around, I do not want to stuff this up. And... So Which makes I, you actually stuff up. Yeah. So as, well, or or not kick through the footy, or or, or kick the ball as yeah. you would during a game where you need it to you know to punch it in and to, um, you know beat the defense. You end up just chipping it. And I always said to myself, like I I understood why it was coached that way, but I don't want players, you know, in teams that I'm involved in as I get older and more experienced, and you have that sort of knowledge to ever be fearful of getting the ball in their hands. It's, you know, you can compare it to a lot of things that you do for people that are new to something. Oh, any teaching, I think, should be, de- like, there's there's at times where your voice goes up stronger. So you'll notice through that video when the gaff goes in, Kane, get the other gaff, get the other gaff. Yeah. Like, I'm not yelling at him. That's just literally, get the other gaff. Like, it's this adrenaline. Important and to do now. Important. Yes. Get the other gaff. Adrenaline's kicked in. The fish is here. We've done it. Get that other gaff. Let's finish this job. That's enjoyment the way through my voice. That's what comes through. But at the start, the fish takes off. And I'm talking to the camera. Hey, God, this is what we're doing. The fish is taking off. I'm going to get the gimbal and harness now. By me, I get the gimbal and harness, grabbing up the front, putting not it on. Helping it's not helping anything. It just is not helping. And I hear people yelling and screaming and making people feel like utter crap on the boat. And that... Yeah, it just makes everyone feel goes away feel from while we do what we do. It, it, and it, and I, I'll be honest, like you just said, then you've experienced it. I was that prick at times when I was younger, thinking that I knew everything and wanted to do everything, and wanted to. And the mates, my mates, fished once a year for the marlin. They had no idea what they were doing. <laughs> they don't want to get abused. And I'm so. screaming at them. They're on a holiday, and I'm just screaming at them like they've stuffed up this fish. Like, but they got no idea. Like they, yep. they haven't deliberately gone out to rip that leader out of that fish's head. Like. They don't know what they're doing. If in real, in, to be realistic, I should have been the one pushing them out of the way and going. If I was that demanded to get the, that much demand to get that fish, I should have been going. No, I'm the one to take responsibility there and not expect it. So now, when I'm on the boat, I let the boys enjoy it as much as possible. And if I can do something to teach them before that, I'll take over and go. Okay, stop. I'll show you how to do that. Have a crack. And I'm at the stage now where you've done it so much, it's like, enjoy it, boys. Have it. If you want to lead a mile, usually I'll do the first one for the year just to get it under the belt. Boys, go for your life. If we lose five fish, you're doing it. Let's just enjoy it while you we're doing it. experienced it. Exactly. That wraps the social club. We take your questions from social media. Make sure you shoot them into our Real Adventures socials, whether it be a direct message, download our Real Adventures app or via Instagram or Facebook. You don't want me to do that bit again for you? No, no, that's fine. All Go to the break. <laughs> All aboard for Dometic. Make your next adventure effortless with the Dometic Go Collection. Just pack, stack, and go. It's time for All Aboard for Dometic. Go on your next adventure, Dometic.com. Now, Redmond, we were trawling through uh, Hooked, hooked Up, up magazine. magazine. Yep. Uh, uh, 
brilliant online publication. They've got great articles, videos, and they've got a Murray Cod special out. Reading through it, we, uh, we learn a bit about Thomas Pinter. Fantastic article talking around using live sonar, targeting cod. He also does a bit of offshore fishing, which we're going to talk to him about. Um, Tom, thanks for joining us this morning on Real Adventures. Thanks for having me. Now, it's it's not too hard to be drawn to sort of the articles that you've been involved with because they involve bloody big fish on the front cover, mate. (laughs) Yeah, that's... uh... A lot, a lot of people say those shots, but uh, I don't think they see what goes on behind the scenes a little bit. Um, but, yeah, as big as the fish are, the effort that goes with it. Now, if you look up uh, Thomas Pinter on Instagram, it's I am Captain Tom O'Redman. It is. Um, but he, the sort of three-time work with the um, with the Premiership Cup sort of action, 2020, 2021, more cup, 2022. More, more cups than in your bio. Well, far more, far more. <laughs> Murray Cod National Championship team. Um, so you do know what you're talking about, unlike Aaron and myself, Tom. Um, talk us through your, your fishing journey and what you've learned over your time fishing for Big Murray Cod and the do's and don'ts around the mistakes that people often make targeting these incredible fish. Oh, well, it um, started at a very early age, um, long story short. I learned how to swim in the Murray. Um, I don't know. My mum tells us how she thought be able to swim. She just threw me in and see how we go. <laughs> see if you floated. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, belly, uh, belly down, face down. But um, no, just um, being always around the water, camping, hunting, fishing, um, and then um, yeah, done a lot of offshore stuff as well, like chasing tuna and marlin, sword of late last few years, but uh, with my brothers more serious um but as for the cod um it's been there since day one just camping um either trawling or bait fishing mostly around site but then um sort of developed when first got me license i'd venture out start fishing for trout a lot more doing day trips fighting local victorian streams and going up into the new south wales pie country and started to develop um some cod the last, like, closest sort of bit of co- good cod water is probably about your three to three and a half hour drive. But um, started to stumble across Eildon, having um, a fair few fish. Um, been at probably an hour and 40 from my doorstep. Within two hours, I'm going to have my boat in the water. So I knuckled down and um, tried to, you know, dedicated a good solid three to four years to try and nut something out and um, started to develop a bit of a pattern and um, started to get the results. It, um, yeah, it's uh, been a long journey and then uh, started to develop a strong interest, very strong interest with chasing with big lures and upsize and everything. And then I got that bit of a competitive nature about me and then started to jump into the tournament scene, bought my own boat. And um, within a year, I ended up selling it just because it was just not the way I wanted it and um, actually got a custom build boat. And um, yeah, no, that's my... Um, tournament rig but uh, i've actually got another one on the way from the state which uh i'm very keen to see um get it in my hands but um yeah started to get real serious into the tournament scene it's sort of i really like that pressure i fish well under pressure when you need to deliver and you need to make fish happen now um that's just something i really thrive on um when no one else catches fish or 
fishing tough, it's raining sideways and you shouldn't be on the water, you should be at home with the kids, that just fires me up even more to just go, nah, I need to go catch fish. Like, I need to, I need to make something happen. So, so that's when you know no, you're a fisherman. <laughs> Pat, no, I'm being serious. Yeah. When you're the only yeah. idiot out there, I'll be honest, Pat. That's when. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. I want to go back yeah. to that because, and you mentioned it um, off the off the top. There's years of trial and error of yeah. un- unsuccessful, unsuccessful, unsuccessful trips, but it obviously forms the knowledge that you have of of fishing for big cod of fishing different regions yeah what's like that, what's the that, thing that hooks you to keep to keep going and striving when you were first you know cutting your teeth in in poor weather bloody cold and not getting the results what, Pat, what brings Pat, you back there's a checkboard here worth ten thousand dollars he's obviously won a cold that's obviously why you keep going back <laughs> yeah uh, don't get me wrong there's so many times i pull it up at the ramp at 3 a.m it's raining wipers are going hard and i'm just sitting there like Peter's cranking and I'm just thinking, Thomas, what are you doing? <laughs> like, and then I've got to peel my ass up out of the seat like Velcro to go, come on, let's go, let's go. You can have a supply out there while, while you've got a fucking rod in your hand, you know what I mean? So, yep. um, so that is, as well as all that work that goes into it, a lot of it's like a mental thing too. Like, yeah, you are your own worst enemy. Like, I'm sure you know, like, how many times you've been the only boat at the ramp? It's like pushing 30 knots, you know, from the south, southerly, and you're chasing barrel tuna, and you're like, what are you doing? And you're like, oh, well, let's go give it a crack anyway and see what happens. So it's your patience <laughs> to just stick to the, the method that you've developed over time and and know that, mm. you know, you've had a little bit of success, a little bit more, a little bit more, and then when, you know, how many years in before you really started to feel like, I've, I've nailed this. I'm in a really good spot where I feel like I know the waterways, I know what the fish are not thinking but close to and that this will, yeah. you know, these are, you know, it's, it's all been worth it for the time that you've put into it. Oh, it'd be a solid uh, five to six years, I reckon, before I started to be a little bit more not so tense about it. I used to push myself super hard to keep going and then it's sort of like between when I started to get results it would have been that yeah that five six year period of fishing um literally close to every week and if not midweek um it was it's so there's one thing quickly is um a lot of people when they say oh I've been fishing for 20 years I haven't caught a meter cod yet but a lot of people don't realize you might do a two-week holiday for one one time a year and you might only fish two three days out of that so realistically you're fishing for two three days out of the whole year probably for cod Whereas, imagine that times every weekend of the year. Whereas, you know what I mean? Like, I'm doing every weekend. So, I'm spending 12 hours a weekend, say one day. Sometimes I might do a full weekend. So, there's 24 hours I've belted out just in the one weekend. Times that by 52 weeks of the year. Um, So, I'm literally my own guide in a way. Like, I'm teaching myself. Like, that time, that, that big error situation of trial and error has really shaped me who I am, which sort of leads me into that live technology side of things. It's not the answer. A lot of people think it's a shortcut. Yes, it teaches you things and stuff like that, but I'm actually happy of where I went through to get to where I am now. And I still, to this day, I learn every time. Every time I go out, I teach myself all the time and I'm like, oh, you know what? 
rig it like this instead of doing it the way I used to, or I should position the boat here instead of, oh, I used to always do it like that. You know what I mean? So it's, um, I'm always evolving, always improving, even techniques, retrieve. Um, those fish I used to get follows from, now I'm confident, like, nah, I'm going to get a bite out of him now. Like, he's mine. Like, I'm getting that fish. I was going to ask a few questions today, but Pat's been into the conversation. I'm just going to go walk out and go no, to the well, I find it you're fascinating right when you, you know, you experience quite clearly plenty of days where you go hours and hours, weekends without catching a thing, but you, you might learn that one thing, as Tom said, you might learn that one little um, technique that triggers that, that fish. That next time it's like, yeah, this is going to help me. So the next eight hours in the water, and it's going to be better than the last. Well, speaking of the last, I've just gone through Tom's Instagram, and he seems to catch cod ranging from 1.2 metres to 14. <laughs> so oh, he was speaking about catching only a, a few 1 metre 20 fish here and there. What's the secret to having consistency in those bigger fish over those smaller fish? Because... You, you haven't fluked. You haven't fluked a few big fish, Tommy. Like I'm looking here, and there's so much consistency in your photos. Through, and the reason I'm saying cods, and is not, about, it's not exactly cheese as well. The um, yeah, is cheese the secret? Is it bigger? Is it, t- is it not, tasty? It's not cheese. No, seriously. What is the secret to actually targeting specific bigger fish? Is it committing to different techniques to specifically target the big fish, or is it more luck that you're hoping to get bigger fish in certain areas? What are you doing there? Because I'm going through your social media now, and for anyone that wants to, it's I underscore am underscore captain underscore Tomo, and you can literally see what he's done. And it's it's not a fluke because unless he's really good at Photoshop, it's not a fluke, Pat, because there's some beautiful fish here. It's Jurassic Park-esque. It, take, take us through. And there's plenty of other species there too, Pat. I'm talking about cod because we're interested in this this time of the year. So take us through that secret to get those bigger fish. Well, one thing I must say is um, a big uh, thing that people don't realise, like cod are super pelagic, like, uh, you can be 20 metres of water and you can be a metre below the surface. Um, they move super quick. Um, they hunt bait. They ball up bait. Like, a lot of people don't realise it. It's almost, I've had three, four metre fish balling up bait, like striped marlin on a bait ball in the south coast. Yeah, right. Um, like, they are super pelagic. And um, so one thing I, I, I know is um, fishing off areas that have high highways, like, Say sitting off a big point with structure sitting not just on the point on the bank. I'm sitting well off, like yep. probably close to 50 meters at times, because that's where all the bait, all the trout, all the redfin herd up. Um, the, yeah, the big cod roam around. They're not always hugging the bottom, sitting in the tree. They're in open water at times. So, um, opening up that mindset from the old tie up to a tree and drop a yabby down the side of it. <laughs> not gonna lie, you probably catch fish, but yeah, opening up that mindset and um, that, that's one thing that I went through that error stage and developing what I thought and then um, using the live technology, it really confirmed what I put pen to paper for, like what I actually went by. Yes. So that, that was a massive thing that I, yeah, like for chasing big fish, definitely opening up the mindset and exploring new water and not just techniques that you read out of a magazine or what's on the back of the um, lure packet. Um, just just because it says it dives down to four metres, go throw it in 20 metres and swim at mid-water, you know what I mean? So, yep. yeah, um, opening up that mindset, definitely. Now, we could sit here all day and talk fishing with you, but unfortunately we do have to let him go in minutes. I'm gonna, in a minute, so I'm going to fire one more question away. 
Techniques yep. with yep. cod has changed so much over the years regarding, like you said before, Pat, you've got your cheese, etc. You've got your yabbies for bait. You've also got so many in, imitation, uh, I guess, plastics. You've also got... You've got and that's been driven a lot rats. from what's happened in the States with how... And that's been primarily around bass fishing. Yeah, yeah. Japan's been huge in it. And, and clearly, Tom, you have a huge range of lures that you're willing to try to give a... Well, that was going to be my question regarding your most success, successful, uh, I guess, technique to go out there and actually target, say, we won't say a metre 20 cod, whatnot, but more consistency in the bigger size fish. So what would you recommend to someone that's, say, going down to Eildon right now, what do you reckon the best thing to start with uh, on an average sort of basis to, t- to actually catch a decent fish? If someone was just going to go catch a fish, um, you can't go wrong with like a spinner bait, something in that 5.8 to 1 ounce. Weight sort of size, that's a great all round sort of thing. Fishing shallow, fishing deep. Are you into those? Are you into those? Are you into those orgy things as well that everyone else seems to be into? That's more of a a river (laughs) sort of a deal, yeah, or uh, trolling. But um, I'm all about the cast, and to be honest, I I love throwing my swim bait. The bigger, the better. I've caught them up on some 15, 16 inch lures. That's a a massive. Yeah, if it fits in their mouth, they're gonna eat it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Tom, we've um, we've loved the chat, mate, and it's a cracking no, article right. in uh, in Hooked Up magazine. <laughs> so we appreciate your time this morning on Real Adventures and educating us a bit about uh, Monster Murray Cod. Thanks, mate. No worries. Cheers for having me. That was all aboard for Dometic. Go on your next adventure, Dometic.com. It's now time for Reg Review, our product review of the week. That was a cracking chat, by the way. Here's just. Just a fisherman, and that's what I love having on this show. Is just people that give it a go, and he gives it more than a go. Pat, he's uh, were you willing to put in some bloody good fish? Yeah, hour upon hour, unsuccessful weekend, and and if you look at Tom's Instagram, like it's they're all fish of a lifetime. And not to not having a real dig at him and putting him down, but he's as stupid as I am. Like he's done some serious hours on the water in some poor conditions, and I can literally tell by his passion and his photos. But that's just the hours that goes into it. That's the key, isn't it? Like, like you, you, you're only boat out there. You're what am I doing out here? So like, I know exactly what's going through his. When head. people talk about overnight successes, well, it takes ten years. Hundred percent. It's taken him, you know, so much time. So it's not it's not a fluke. These fish. This is this is years of practice. So Pleasure to have him on. Brilliant work. Now, uh, Reben, your review of the week. Yeah, this is a good one. I thought you might like this, and I don't know if you've read it in your run sheet there, because I know you love your toys. It's a 360-degree, Pat, rotating rod holders. Yeah, and I like these because these are... Oh, so you know what they are, because yeah. I didn't until the other day. No, nah, all stainless steel mechanisms as well. Yep. Um, and the beauty of it, quite clearly, when you're barrel fishing, for example, Yep. and it's one of the things that I look back and go, I, I didn't learn about it until after the boat was built. And you can still bring them in and out. Like it's not, it's not like you can, you know, these are, it isn't something that you need to install with your start of your boat building phase. Um, but they're brilliant because whether it's bent butt, rigger arms, the trolling positions that you're able to change, Redman. Just the change. one question I had for you, though. Yes. Because I know you want to talk about it. If oh, you're the, rod, covered, if, if the rod screams off on a 130 kilo tuna. Yep. The mechanism's strong enough because they're really, really well backed. I haven't, I didn't know about these until this week. I was actually at a salt guide meeting with Gwaine, and Gwaine actually said to me, "Do you want to set? Do you want to set of these? Like you should." I'm like, "What do you mean?" And he goes, "Check these out." And I said, "Well, oh, right, what? Okay." And I, first thing coming to my head is 
360, everything breaks on a boat. Yeah. But I'm willing to give him a go. Because What's the mech- So you felt the mechanism was, was solid? Yeah, well, it's to do with this massive... Uh, if you actually look at the photo, if you head to... Uh, Blue Bottle Marine and type them in there, you can actually find them. They're around $236. $236. So they're not cheap. Not cheap, but I looked at the mechanism the way just through the photos and the way that Gwen explained it is a, I guess it's like a lever on the the back of the rod holder in itself. It's all stainless. So, and it pushes down. It's not like it's just hanging over the edge. It actually sort of molds into the rod holder in itself. So you can't break it off either. I don't know how it's, I don't know specifically how strong it's going to be, but I can guarantee you my next boat, if I can get my hands on a set of these before I do it, it'll be on the boat. It'll change. It'll catch me more fish. The rigor arms, you get sets of rigor arms so that are too why, high. Too why? F- Just because you get rigor arms, like you, you pretty much nailed on the head before. The way you can change your angles of rods, the way you, if you're running roller tip rods, for instance, you don't want them sitting on weird angles, which I do in my boat, and the and the line sits on the edge of the rollers. You can actually change that angle and create it to be running through the middle. Like you said, with the rigor arms, I can adjust the rigor arms, the angle. Certain days are windier than others. So there's some days I want my lure to have its head in the water longer than what I do on on rougher days. Yep. So on a rough day, I'm trying to like get my angle down to try and hold the lure in the water more. Where on a calmer day, you might want to lift your rigor arm up slightly to get that lure to pop more on a well, calmer day. you want to day. create the um, Create the action a bit more. Yep. So, and that comes to position of lures, et cetera. I know that, but I just this is just me thinking about it. So if you've got any other ideas, I'd love to hear it because of how they'll work even better. But changing the angles of your rod too with bent butt rods, a lot of people are sword fishing now. So having those uh, cross rods between chasing barrels with them to sword fish with your 37 talikas. So there's a lot of bent butt rods out there that don't have the right angles in your natural rod holders in the boat. And this will create all different angles. And also side drifting for swords out of the of you can literally spin that so your boat, so your rod's actually angling out the side of the boat perfectly yep. on a straight angle rather than being on a crooked angle. If you are running, just say a 50 wide without a bent. But there's just so many angles that you can work with to create yourself more opportunities on a boat. And I think this is something that you should head to your local tackle store, see if they've got it. If they don't, see if they can get their hands on one and check it out. And like I said, 240 bucks for a rod holder, it's not cheap. But I think that it definitely is worth having a look at for your Finex boat. That is Red's review, our 360 rotating rod holders. Plenty more real adventures coming up after the break. We've got Red's tip and, of course, the flying gaff. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for Red's tip. This one's pretty simple. It is. It's just don't put glass in a boat. I travelled out at Port Mac the what, other week with four, what happened? four bottles of Coke. They weren't beer, Pat. Four bottles of Coke <laughs> on the on the seat. I don't know. They ended up in the in the food bag. And it was on the seat, and it, one of those coals or you know the, the green the green grocery bags. And all I heard was poof, 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 through uh, through onto the ground. And uh, I turned around, and I'm still too scared to go into my bilge because I reckon there's about seven hundred bits of glass, and two of the four bottles smashed everywhere, and the only drama is, I don't think there's anything better than glass other than Coke in a glass bottle. It, yeah, ta- it yeah, is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. It, why does it taste ten times better than a can? Well, <laughs> I, I agree, but Coke Zero, no sugar, good for you. Um, nice. You, work. you enjoy your hug. All right, <laughs> the flying gaff this week. Uh, it, <laughs> it, um, well, it heads to the man that uh, a Canberra man uh, that was last week jailed for two years after he went out and bought uh, a jet ski. Redmond? Yes. But he bought it on his government-issued credit card. 
So where do you, where have your tax dollars been going, Aaron? Well, they've gone they've gone away uh, as Sidhu, um, who's you know, and jet skis are so much fun, so much fun, but probably on the company credit card, and when the company credit cards is sort of a Australian taxpayer, you you really can't do it. Can I comment on that, please? Please go on. I actually think that I'd actually rather my tax money go to that than some of the things that the government does. <laughs> As long as, as long as I get to use you it, you can use it. <laughs> I, I think that's a, I think that's fair. <laughs> Thanks for your company this Where morning. Where do we get one of those cards? We hope you've enjoyed this show. We'll see you on the north, on the water next week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's go home. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.